0: Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Lamia Pardo, who is the CEO and co-founder of Journify. And Journify is a personal coaching platform working with people-first companies to address burnout and improve general employee well-being. In this episode, we go through a variety of topics, including how she launched and grew the business, but also talking about burnout and how Journify helps solve this problem. You can go to jernify.co to learn more about our company. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show by leaving a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can check out the weekly grind, my weekly newsletter with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business over at grindcom slash newsletter. Without further ado, here's Lamia Pardo, the CEO and co-founder of Jernify. Lamia, welcome to the show.
1: Hi. How are you? Thank you.
0: Good, good. Yeah, happy to have you on here and, and chat about your business. And what we want to just get started with, first off, is what is Journify?
1: Yeah, so um, Journify is a well-being platform. So think of a platform where you can find any sort of well-being practitioner that you would want. A life coach, a personal coach, a wellness coach, a lifestyle coach, even financial wellness coaches in our platform. So what we do is we curate them thoroughly, and then we help you connect with the ideal one for you, depending on your demographics, your interests, and your personal goals, of course. So once you get matched, our platform has a full suite of features that helps you manage that journey better. So you can manage your calendar, your payments, and other transactional features very easily. But most importantly, you have a really awesome platform to track your well-being goals you can set alerts you can track your personal metrics your sleep etc and you can connect your activity trackers as well so <clears throat> it's really helpful for people that are on the go and you know need help prioritizing are burning out you know burnout is a big focus of our practice so what we have what we are noticing is that um, and actually today is mental, um, world health day, which is pretty relevant, um, <laughs> relevant, right yeah. out, you know, seriously. So what happens is that we, we have people that come to our platform and just say, my life is collapsing, you know, and it really takes small lifestyle adjustments to turn that around. So the platform helps, um, document everything and helps them keep track of what happens after the sessions with their wellness coaches.
0: And with this platform, too, how did this all get started? Where did this start from?
1: So Journeyify really um, was, you know, a combination of, of a big business opportunity. I always read about trends um, and, and what industries are, are rapidly growing. I think that to start, you know, a new company, you have to tackle a niche and, you know, ride that trend. Um, but, you know, I always I always thought once I start my own business, I'm going to do it in an area where I actually have a personal passion. Um, and, you know, as formerly a marketer, for me, anything that has an awareness issue or a challenge, I would say, it, it's incredibly interesting to me. So what I notice is a lot of people They were part of my team, actually, you know, and unfortunately we're burning out. I try to find many ways of helping them. We tried yoga, we tried meditation, but when you hit certain levels of of burnout and it comes from all the different, you know, parts of your life, just like collapsing, (laughs) um, (laughs) a yoga session actually is stressful because you don't really have the time to decompress. And then a lot of my team members, um, this was in my last job, were saying that it was, actually worse because they would come back to work and then they would have like even more things, you know. Um, (laughs) um, I tried many things and long story short, ended up getting coaches for some of them. And I got the idea from some of my friends that loved their relationship with their coaches, had been working with with their life coaches for a while. And, you know, imagine like a turbulent path of like trial and error until you figure out What are the lifestyle adjustments you have to make with a coach? You don't go through that trial error. The coach can help you figure a path that is a lot smoother. So everyone loved it. Then I said, okay, I need to try that for myself as well. Um, (laughs) I had a sugar addiction and I had to work with a health coach. And I was like, okay, this this actually works. So I thought, you know, this has to be an incredible business opportunity, especially because I'm like so personally committed to that, you know. Um, But then from that concept, of course, till now, we went through a lot of research. Then it became less about my personal story and it became more about what people were saying. We did 500 surveys. We interviewed many HR departments and a lot of people that are, you know, behavioral scientists, data scientists, many people that are interested in the space. Um, Yeah, so I think, you know, user preferences defined what Journify is today.
0: Yeah. And with that, too, I want to dive a little bit deeper into that kind of customer research and figuring those things out. How long was that whole process of figuring out what the customer is like wanting? Where was this opportunity before you ended up kind of like launching your actual product? Honestly,
1: well, I think um, I think the whole process Um, maybe about three months. But the interesting thing is I am as invested in user research as I was at the beginning right now, you know, because now I get a lot more actionable insights from people that are using the platform you know it's almost like your research brain should never really you know um, shut down but <laughs> it helps for sure right there's a point in time when, when you feel okay maybe I don't have certainty in every certain feature that I'm going to launch with but there's a point where you feel convinced that you know there is a product market fit and there's also willingness to pay which sometimes is what you know a lot of people fail to do so you know, you can ask, "Would you like this?" And a lot of people are going to say yes. But until you put until you put like something out there, and people start making some payments to your platform, then you cannot really test if people would buy that, which is very different than I want it for free. Um, so yeah, I think I would say about you know three months because at the beginning we we started with more of the you know online research for a few days. Um, we did many surveys. We did about. 100 interviews with different types of wellness coaches we also talked to many many um hr professionals so chief happiness officer um heads of hr benefits managers from all types of ranks within the organization and then we also spoke with ceos that are concerned or you know particularly focused on developing the workplace culture so the, the um, you know, interview and documenting process and survey process, I would say was about a month okay. um, in parallel to that. Of course, we were iterating what we were asking about, right? Because we would put things in front of them. We would say, what about this type of product versus this type of offering? Um, and then you know we we started talking about about you know what are also the trade offs so there's the external part which is i want to talk to as many stakeholders as possible and get insights but there's also the internal part that you have to do with the people that are going to build the product and and also understand what is feasible yeah because you cannot build every functionality i would say journeyfy right now what's live is only about like 20% of what the initial product vision was you know so then it's about finding out what's going to be the mvp like and then documenting that and then retesting to make sure that you know with a smaller or reduced version of the of the product you're still solving the main problem um and then launching an mvp and then starting to get some transactions that are not coming from your friends <laughs> 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 your mother or your father <laughs>
0: right <laughs> and then with so that too- Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I would say my, my mother refused to to try the platform. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, the struggle, the struggle! I tell you.
1: <laughs> yes, and, um, and yeah, she said, "I don't wellness is, and I don't know." She goes.
0: <laughs> everyone has their reasons, right? Everyone has their reasons. Um, one thing with the platform too. So, were you working full time while you started to build this, or did you quit your job, or how did that work yeah. with that side of things?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I quit my job. So what happened was that um, I'm very compulsive and intense when I'm at work. So, but the the last job I had really played a toll because we were launching four products at the same time. We did an ICO. It was, I was working for a um, blockchain company based out of Singapore. And that process was incredibly, you know, fulfilling professionally, but personally, I needed to to stop. So I quit my job. I um, just traveled around for like two months, and I just did some freelance work while um, on those trips. And then the idea actually came about when I was at a, at a retreat in Bali. It was a detox retreat. I was reading a lot. I was um, using my time mostly to, you know, just get informed about all of these different verticals and industries that I was so passionate about uh, because one thing that I was clear on is was that It was not going to be fintech anymore for me. You know, I loved my different experiences in fintech, but it wasn't necessarily something that it touched my heart. And I think that to be a founder, you need a little bit of that purpose. Yeah. So I went on this retreat for like five days. Um, I read so much. I woke up really early every day. I meditated, did yoga, and then just read a lot. And um, then as soon as I came back from that is when I started Journey So already my mind was clear. Nothing was pending from my previous role. And I was like 100%, you know, committed to what I was going to do. Yeah. And I... People do it different ways, you know, It's it, some people can do it, you know, on the side as well. But with my previous jobs, there was no on the side time, you know, I was working like extremely long hours, you know, definitely after midnight most of the time. Jeez. So it was impossible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you had to, you had to quit your job and to go full time into your, your new venture to make it work, which, which makes sense, especially if it's a burnout platform, you're kind of going through that a little bit yourself as well. And then with that too, so who else is involved, Who at least initially with, with the team to build this out?
1: Yeah. So, you know, that right now I am working on this full-time myself. Um, You know, for the first year, I didn't want to hire people full-time until I would go through the first big round of fundraising. So relied on different partners and contractors for different parts of the platform. But I would say I have an incredible, you know, support system with my advisors. So something that many entrepreneurs recommended at the beginning was all these people that you're interviewing you know you're you're getting in touch with so many experts whoever you feel like it is super involved or interested or really want to help just get them you know to sign up as formal advisors and also I love it because I don't you know I don't have to be asking for favors all the time they have equity in the company so it's a a much better, healthier relationship. Um, so one of them is Anthony Onesto. He is the chief happiness officer for a SaaS platform called Suzy, and he also has an extensive background on advising startups in the HR space. So because I'm primarily selling my platform um, through companies, I mean, people can still go to journeyfy.co and use our platform. We have many consumers that do it that way, but we are trying to scale faster and democratize coaching services by going through companies and having them sponsor the um, wellness sessions. So Anthony's expertise is really helpful because he he understands you know how HR departments work and what's important to them. We also have uh, Robin Long, which is the director of growth for a platform called Life Lives Learning. So her expertise is more on the client experience. So he she already works with many many um, companies to offer them communication workshops so what she does is she goes to fast growing companies and when she sees teams that have some breakdowns in in collaboration process or communication she helps with fixing that which is also an important part of our, of our service because we cannot just go to a company and and offer you know a one size fits all platform and just plug and play we have to customize a little bit um, the process so that people in the company sign up for it. Yeah. And third, we have, um, you know, completely outside of the HR space, completely outside of that, we have a mental wellness advocate. So his name is Zach Williams, and he is the CEO and founder of a platform called Pym Health, which focuses only on mental health. Um, and, you know, he, to build a company, but also for personal reasons, he um, has research the space significantly. So he knows a lot of people that are interested in in supporting startups in the space. And he also personally knows what are the challenges um, and how to create more awareness, you know, on the issue. So he brings a completely different um, angle to the table, but it's really important because, you know, as we grow and we sell our product, we also have a responsibility on the awareness side. Um, You know, he he calls himself a mental wellness advocate because uh, of, of all, everything that happened to his dad. So, um, and you know, this is a story that I that I always let him tell, and I don't um, chime in. But the the issue with mental health um, is that many uh, professionals, especially, feel like it's a stigma. So they don't even want to ask for help yeah. because they think that if their employers find out, you know, it's going to be a problem. So the awareness becomes even like far more important, you know, in, in that case. Um, but I would say we try to reconcile that by by offering wellness coaching and focusing on specific parts of mental well-being, like burnout, prioritization, you know, career and life design. Um, it, it, it's not a platform for anxiety or depression only, you know, we, we actually go with a broader set of Uh, mental health issues, you know, like most people don't know, but 80% of us are suffering from some level of burnout. Um, yeah. And with
0: that too, so I obviously you had this team Then, how did you go about, uh, how did you approach that in terms of building the team and actually finding these people? Because it's so difficult for a lot of people early on to figure out, okay, who's going to join my company? How do I find a co-founder? I'm just curious as to how you approach that process.
1: Yeah. So honestly though, I don't think there is a, a specific formula, but recently I had a few people at WeWork Lab, so I'm a mentor there, that were asking me about the same thing, and I was trying to think about my journey. Um, I just thought about it as a funnel, though. So as you would approach any sort of partnership or marketing or sales funnel, you yeah. know, you you want to talk to, you know, as many people as you can, and then convert them into, you know, your advocates. I would say for this specific, you know, um, situation for my advisors, what I did was I started a relationship with many of them just because I wanted to do research. So what I did is I went into all of these different support groups um, that exist online for entrepreneurs. I went to every single um, person that is part of the startup ecosystem that I knew from the past. And I just like ask everyone for introductions, you know, to to anyone that could be helpful. Um, one of the things that that is important though is it's hard to say, Hey, I'm doing, you know, a burnout prevention platform and well being coaching platform (laughs) introducing to someone. Then people don't know how to act on that, right? So you know because some of the some of some of my mentees were telling me i keep asking for favors and then when i saw i was like well this is too broad so i i broke it down in phases, though first i said i want to interview wellness coaches so i asked everyone for introductions to wellness coaches specifically Then about two or three weeks later, I went back to everyone in the network and said, hey, thank you so much for, you know, all your help. Right now we're trying to do a lot of more research into how companies are thinking about um, wellness investments. So I would love introductions to anyone with a chief people officer title or VP of people or VP of HR. And then that's how I got a huge list of introductions as well. Then I, I actually did follow the interview process, you know, just to do the research. I documented all my interviews. But when you talk to someone, you can immediately tell how personally interested they are, you know, because they have jobs on the side. So this is not, they're not applying for a job <laughs> right. with you, right? And like, where is that fit? And and, and who has a, a personal interest in what you're building? Um, so yeah, you know, usually after the second conversation is when you know that they're interested. And then after that, you slowly, you yeah. know, bring it up. Yeah. And one more thing so too, I know
0: you mentioned just briefly with the, with the contractors and stuff to build a platform that's maybe a little bit different. Uh, maybe not as much, uh, investment in terms of full time with them, but how did you search for them? Because it is difficult to find technical talent to build things out potentially or find the right technical talent. How did you find that for your platform?
1: Oh my God. Yes, it is really, really hard. And you know, it's also very hard when you have no idea in in you know into <laughs> what are you getting because I, I see a lot of people that are just you know hiring someone on upwork or whatnot but it's very hard if you're not you don't have a technical background to supervise our right. process um, so you know, luckily I had some, you know, people in my network that would be able to, to recommend someone to do that. But, you know, very, very, very focused on referrals just because it was a critical task in our case. But also one thing that we did, which is, you know, a little unique, I think is, um, we approached many companies that had some of the features that we needed and we asked if they would wide label. So, most people go about building the entire set of features right from the beginning. But when we got estimates, we realized that it would have been, you know, several months until I would have been able to go to market. And then you are not also an expert on any of these features because you haven't te- tested them, you know, with sufficient time. So, for example, our platform it has a component that is telehealth. So it, re- it requires significant testing and it's HIPAA compliant. So I I approached about 30 companies that I found had similar features that we could actually plug into. And then one of them, you know, I met the founder, we had a great connection. And then she said, sure, you know, she checked with her team to see how long will the modifications take for them to actually be able to white label fully for what we needed. And then she said, yes. And we, we've had a great commercial relationship um, since then, you know, and she's even invested in what we're doing. She brings us, you know, new clients sometimes it's, it's pretty great, but I would say thinking outside the box, you know, it is, um, is helpful because everyone just tries to go about things in the exact same way. And I would say, there are frameworks for how you scale a company. You know, of course, you always have your own challenges. But I think that you have to become very process-oriented, very methodical. And, um, you know, there are so many benchmarks that you can use for that. But when you're starting a company, you know, <laughs> there's no framework that really works. So you have to, like, be resourceful. Yeah.
0: Right. And that's what's so fun, honestly, about doing these interviews is because every entrepreneur has their own unique story and their w- own method of figuring that out. So even with, uh, though I've asked different people like, how they you know had their technical talent for their team, everyone finds them in different ways. Whether it be in person meetups, whether it be uh, like online, or trying to find someone in Europe. Uh, there's a certain countries, obviously, that do uh, web development. It's all different. It's like finding that way that's going to work for you and how you can leverage your network and people you know to find the right talent to build the company or the product that you need and it is kind of interesting to see how everyone's different yeah. in that regard it's it's so it's so unique and and yeah that can be so challenging especially to, to the team and you mentioned doing all the interviews and the kind of customer interviews early on to figure out what this platform should be then how did you end up going to sign up your first your first clients was it just from that that you kind of upsold them to hey here's our platform you can pay for it like how did that go Um, yeah
1: a combination of both so you know in our platform we have a supply and demand so We are not an open marketplace. Um, We when we get a coach, you know, which is on the supply side, we review their profile before we can actually put them live because we, you know, at the end of the day, want to offer a high quality service. But, you know, but we still have the same challenges as a marketplace of building, you know, both sides of the market. Um, so we, we we thought that we needed the supply first to be really, really good for us to be able to go and sign up consumers because without the supply, you don't have a product, you know? So we started reaching yeah. out to different um, wellness coaches and I would remember that the first maybe like 10 days or 14 days were so painful. Um, I, you know, remember trying... People that had been referred to me, you know, um, and just having conversations with them, even the people that were so helpful in the interview process, some of them hesitated to sign up right away because no one wants to really be the guinea pig and they are certified, they are, you know, professionals and they just can't associate their names to any platform. Um, I would also mention that at the time, this was many months ago. Uh, We had our MVP live, which was a very like bare bones version of our platform. We didn't have all the awesome functionality that we have right now. So it's also convincing them with the promise of a vision versus a tangible product that they could touch and feel, you know? So that was, that was really, really painful. Um, I approached institutions. So we went to the most reputable coaching institutions and it was the same thing. They were like, well, we would love to see a demo. We were like, it's not ready, you know? (laughs) until until suddenly though I think it's perseverance I would say for the for the first few you know from from day one we we knew it was going to be hard though so our expectations were you know not off but it's still painful because you still get demotivated some days um once we the 10th yeah. one, though, I would say, maybe like 10th one. It became incredibly easy after that. So we followed up with everyone that we had followed, that we have reached out before. And we said, hey, you know, here are examples of some people are on our platform. And then they started coming, you know. A few weeks later, we started getting applications from people that we hadn't reached out. You know, people just were, like, talking about it. Um, we suddenly got our first referrals from one of the institutions. And, like, a few of them came in a batch. So I think that, you know... Of course, getting your first, you know, advocates is hard. Um, being honest about, you know, being early stage is important because we also didn't want to promise the world and then they will come to our platform and then they will have to wait many days and before they could get even their first client. So, yeah. so you know, being honest, I think more and more people are, are um, familiar with the startup process and some of them even empathize with this. And then once we had a, about 100 coaches, we took us a month to, to hit. Um, okay. Then it was, okay, time for consumers, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and at that time, it was just ads. So what we did was uh, we wanted to prove that random people want to pay for this instead of, you know, I'm going to try to convince my network. So our, our first maybe 10 transactions or so, um we were trying to see that people actually wanted this you know so yeah yeah on our social media platforms you know you can leverage your network in that way um especially linkedin you know not everyone you know you know is really on linkedin your network extends far from that and then we run some facebook ads for for a little bit to try that out um yeah and then you know after that, worked on refining that process and then testing all the time. Um, content marketing, though, is something that has become important for us. But at the beginning, we didn't spend, you know, the time on, on working on it. And I actually regret that because I think that it would have worked wonders, you know, since the very yeah. beginning. But, like any process, you always have to make trade offs. <laughs> of thing.
0: course. Like,
1: yeah, that's the one thing that I keep going back to and being like, you know, we. it's also unfortunate because we, we read about the space so much. We're always, you know, finding out new stats. We see it so much, you know, because we see the actual processes of our customers and how, you know, it helps them along the way. So, then sharing that knowledge is also part of our mission in the end. So, we try to do that now. Um, and then, our first corporate, you know, pilot um, started in August. So that one was a little harder to get, though, because when it (laughs) comes to companies, it's even harder to be a guinea pig, right? Um,
0: Yeah. But
1: there's always someone that feels compelled about it, that for, you know, personal reasons, believe in this. And once they start seeing, you know, the the satisfaction um, of of their employees, then they can actually, you know, Recommend you to other people in the same space, you know, HR professionals, talk to other HR professionals, so then you get the benefits of that. So again, you know, perseverance at the beginning until you get the first um, few ones.
0: Yeah. And one thing I want to dig, dig into too is something that's not really talked about as much in terms of building businesses is kind of the pricing. So you don't have to necessarily say what the pricing is, but how did you like approach or look at how you wanted to charge for this this product? Because pricing is such a valuable and like critical part of your business. And if you don't have the right pricing, your whole business model could essentially collapse. So so how did you look at the pricing side of things with this business and kind of tying that into like the business model of how this is going to actually be a, a real company?
1: Yeah, actually, um, that's, you know, a great question, because I think this is something that I never stop thinking about it. I think there's a point or a trigger at least once a week that makes me rethink this. Um, But I would say in our case, you know, what we've done so far, you know, is um, first think about the supply. So the way we monetize our platform is we take a commission from the hourly rate of the wellness practitioners. So if you think about wellness practitioners today, you know, what are they doing? They're marketing themselves. They're spending a significant time writing content pieces, um, doing ads themselves, or in some cases they've wasted money hiring agencies that were not able to bring them results right away. So we, we, you know, through the interview process, which is why it's important to do that research at the beginning, you know, we found that was a big, big pain point. And some of these coaches left their previous careers and they invested significant money in getting their certification, plus the opportunity cost of their, you know, leaving their previous job to coach. So the last thing they want to do is spend their time marketing, you know. So the average they spend per week on our, you know, through our survey process was 10 hours a week, which is a lot just, you know, doing that. So we thought, okay, if they're actually offering free, you know, trials, you know, what could be, you know, something that they would pay for us, you know, would they be willing to pay half of their fee, you know, so they, they still at least make, you know, some commission. So right now we, we settle on that and then we run it by all of them. Um, and then they, you know, said, yeah, they would use the service. If you go and ask them, you know, what's your deal pricing? Of course, they're going to tell you, you know, $1 <laughs> or so free. Um, like, right. That's what I would say if anyone asked me, but, you know, I think it's about trying to to focus on, um, the the value pricing methodology, you know, start with a higher one and say, um, for this pricing we use the product, for this pricing we use the product, and then you go lower, and then you find what's that middle ground that gives you, you know, that maximizes your profits, but also without sacrificing the the demand side. So that's what we did for the for the supply side, and then for the demand. What we did was significant competitive research. So, how much are people paying today for these type of services? Um, and then, based on that, made sure that we, you know, were at least within expected, you know, boundaries. Yeah. Um, but then we are on top of that offering the platform for free. So we, you know, I would say our fees for the coaches are not lower than what you would find if you would try to go and recruit them yourself. But what you definitely find are discounts if you get packages or you could, you know, and you get the coach plus the entire, you know, telehealth platform and the tracking features, et cetera. So that's where we are right now. Um, But I think there's still a lot of work, you know, to be done. Um, We also ask about this whenever we are approaching a company. So right now, for example, we are letting them decide how much they want to sponsor um, in terms of coaching sessions for their employees. For example, we are in back and forth um, with a company right now that said, I have a maximum budget already of $300 per employee. Would that be okay? And we said, well, yeah, they, then they can use that up. And when they maximize the, you know, the, the, the experience, we try to recommend what's actually a better package within that budget. But then if they want to continue or do more things, then they can pay for that out of pocket. So offering flexibility, I think, with your first clients also gives you a lot of insights.
0: And, and with your business so far, so with Journify, what have been the kind of biggest challenges of growing the company?
1: Um, everything is a challenge, right? Because everything really starts like a challenge. But then you, <laughs> see, you see the benefits of, you know, the the process and, and persevering through the bad moments and then it always pays, you know, it always pays off. So I would say even using the examples that we've talked about, you know, building the the supply, you know, the first week was painful. But painful to the point where, you know, you you start thinking, is this the right thing? You know, everyone said they would on a survey, but they are not really doing it. So and there's always such a big discrepancy between what people self-report um, you know, and what they actually want to do or want to pay for it. So we, we said, okay, you know, we, we are going to give ourselves parameters. So until a certain day, you know, we're going to track this um, and if we don't get anything, we have to, like, keep changing, you know, strategies. Um, also, though, the the type of profile of the person that we were reaching out to, you know, had to shift a little bit because it's, it's not about finding, you um, know, if they want to use it or not, but it's about finding who would use you, you know, who can be your early adopter. So we tried with different type of coaches. Uh, we realized that the most established ones um, at the end of the day are actually more receptive to, to new platforms. I don't, I don't know why, you know, I don't know why that happened, you know, so much later, we should have iterated earlier, but At the end of the day, you know, you you just have to keep iterating. Um, So then our second challenge was our first, you know, corporate client that took a very long time. And and how do we start a pilot? Because you need to have results to engage with other potential clients. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. the, the You know, in every important building block of the business, you always encounter the chicken and the egg problem. And that's always a big challenge because it could be very paralyzing, you know. And then you talk to other entrepreneurs and their reaction are like, oh, my God. Like they feel pain because they remember how painful it was for them in the beginning. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, there are very few that can tell you, oh, it was very, you know, smooth. I think that besides Facebook, I haven't heard anyone just saying, it just happened like that without, you know, the the pain um, throughout the way. So, yeah, I think that's that's challenging. And the other thing that, that is challenging is, um, you know, I would say I had to make a big life change, though. So I started my business based out of Singapore, which is where I was living at the time, although most of my, you know, professional career was in the U.S. The last year and a half, I was in Singapore. So I thought, I'm going to start my business in Singapore. Um, and then when I did, you know, having such an international a, and sophisticated type of society, people were very reluctant to invest in wellness. So instead of just giving up, I said, well, I'm going to go where my early adopters can be. So, you know, within a few weeks, I had to just move to the U.S. again. <laughs> so I think that when you're a founder, you know, you aren't going to encounter challenges, but it's always a matter of like how, um, you know, how willing you are to make, you know, personal sacrifices or adjustments to actually keep going through that journey.
0: Yeah, and one thing too with that, with all the things you have going on, especially with trying to grow a company where there's so many different moving parts, how do you manage your time day to day?
1: Ooh, that's um, <laughs> the way... Do I manage my time, first of all? I
0: don't know. <laughs> Everyone does it somehow. <laughs> Whether it's good or bad is another question. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I would say... So there's there is actually one thing that that I, you know feel very deeply you know that it's super important and I always remind myself of every single day is this is really a long journey you know so what I have stopped doing many months ago is I try to before I used to try to do everything in a day you know if I had a new idea I just want it done now you know and if I had a new opportunity I wanted to follow up now and if I I also wanted to write content everything in a day you know but my, my whole, you know, approach about building a business, you know, has shifted tremendously though. I read a really interesting article on um, about the journey of Pinterest. I read an article about the journey of ClassPass and these different companies and many more though. And I, you know, read about everything they went through along the way to to become a successful and big company. And when that happened, I realized that it was something clicked in my my brain, which which was we all, you know, think big because we're entrepreneurs. So we think big all the time and we are impatient all the time and we want things to happen now. But the reality is that these things take forever, right? So I manage my time by managing my priorities, though. I try to break down everything in very achievable milestones. So if I want to get my first client, I don't think about, I want to get my first client this week. What I do is this week, I'm going to reach out to this many people. I'm going to have this many meaningful conversations. So if I were, for example, um reporting that to a boss you know yeah. which in this case i don't have one but if i had one you know that's kind of how i try to think about it w- would would this be realistic you know because you would never want to over promise so i try to not over promise myself what i can actually do you know yeah. and then i also limit my number of priorities per week to maximum like three you know so it's more it's about discipline though at the beginning it's like a theory and it it, it really doesn't work but then slowly over time like you know as as we exercise it you know and every morning it's like okay what am I going to get done today what is the one most important thing that I'm going to get done today I'm just tackle that and I think that you know of course I have my personality I you know send random emails to different people like the other day I heard um um the commissioner of nypd on npr and i was like oh i'm gonna reach out to them and i just like <laughs> spend like half an hour on the right contact i still do those things yeah. right i have those and then they reply and it's been a great you know back and forth but aside of those moments i try to make sure that i always have like the one thing i'm gonna get done during the day and like three or four things that are like goals for the week and that's it and then, you know, that helps me manage my time a lot better. Yeah,
0: it, it is helpful to have that. It's, it's difficult when there's definitely so many different things going on, which is something I for sure struggle with and try to figure out on a daily basis with having so many different uh, priorities, so many different projects going right. on. So it's hard to prioritize, but uh, everyone kind of finds their, their own system for that. Uh, one more thing, just kind of digging again, going deeper with that. So what? how do you decide then when you stop for the day or when you are going to be done working? Cause that can be difficult for people as well.
1: Yes. Um, I think that, um, the first thing for me is I get hungry, you know, I'm hungry all the time, but some, <laughs> I always reach a point where I'm like hungry and I, and I feel like I need to go eat something, you know, and I take those moments as an opportunity to take yeah. a break. So, um personal relationships, you know, for me are really important. I think that is my my self-care in a way. Um, I'm like a, a people's person, like 100 percent So that's super important for me. So spending time with my friends, you know, and, and doing and doing things outside of work are really important. So what I promise myself is I'm not gonna cancel them. Of course if I have, you know, a term sheet from an investor and I have to return it. If there's something critical like that, I'm I'm gonna have to make some adjustments, but other than that, you know, the, the things that matter to me, I'm going to keep doing them. Um, the other thing is I um, need to have, you know, enough hours of sleep. So naturally, you know, I'm the type of person that could sleep three hours a day and be fine. So it's easy to just keep working and work all night and then wake up at eight again, you know sleep from five to eight and still be great <laughs> and feel great. and don't look tired, but I know that's really bad for myself. So just having wellness KPIs though, um, I would say having a wellness company though helped a lot because I really wanted to walk the talk. So, and I really wasn't that disciplined before. So what I started doing was tracking these things for myself and, I really want to get to a point when um, I hire, you know, employees. I want to really lead by example in that in that capacity, and I want to create an environment where wellness KPIs becomes part of the organization. You know, so that's that's really, you know, I, I think it's flexible day by day, but prioritizing that the things that are important yeah. to me, you know, I would say is what rules how I, you know, do things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And then what do you think has been maybe like one or two of the kind of biggest lessons or key takeaways so far from your career?
1: For my career? Um, I would say recently though, the, um, you know, in the last few months, the biggest yeah. one has been, has been the fact that, um, everything from the outside, you know, looks a lot easier, sexier. Um, but once you're in the journey, you know, um, you realize how everything is full of challenges, you know, so you really have to be prepared for that. And the best way to be prepared for that is to do a lot of research, never just go into anything, you know, in a silo. Um, I think that talking to so many entrepreneurs that are more advanced than, than where I am right now, and reading all of these different startup journeys have made me realize that I can structure my own startup journey a lot better, you know, and then in, in that way, don't get super demotivated if a day doesn't go well. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because I've worked in, in, in the startup space for you know eight years. Um, so I, I, I know a few things about startups, but sometimes you think certain trends happen you know because we are this type of company. you don't really realize how things are so um, similar between company and company. Um, And, you know, the other thing I would say it's, you know, been a huge shift in my mind has been um, the fact that people have created this, you know, perspective of if you are successful, it means that you're working more. If you are successful, it means that you are, you know, working a million times, you know, a million hours a day. Actually, when I left my previous previous job, I had to be replaced by a few people because I told you I have this this thing where I don't need to sleep, so I would just <laughs> work all day, all day, and people would be like, "Oh my god, we love you. You were so good at this." And I got praised because I had terrible lifestyle habits, you know. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think and then I started reading some of the Ariana Huffington um, articles on her book around that and still though it was still foreign to me i you know i scientifically understand what i'm reading because i'm looking at research and evidence but i i still quite hadn't gone through the process of trying it for myself and then when i did i realized that right now i'm way more productive i don't have those crazy crashes in the afternoon where like oh my god i need a coffee otherwise i can continue you know yeah um i don't have points where i'm like oh, my God, I need a vacation and I need this. Like, it, it just doesn't happen. Even though I'm an entrepreneur and I'm supposed to be, you know, going crazy, you know, just by, by making adjustment, um, regaining perspective and understanding that that 24-7, you know, work culture and being busy for the sake of being busy, it's just not more productive.
0: Yeah, and, and I've definitely read some of the Arianna Huffington stuff as well, and it's there's some good articles out there on that through Thrive, um, her company now. And and one thing too, I wanted to make sure we addressed is like how can someone one how can someone recognize burnout and what can they do about it as well?
1: Yeah, so there are um, different levels of burnout though, which is really important um, because how you how you tackle them are very differently. Um, but there are very, you know, common signs of the people that we, you know, come and talked with. Um, Energy depletion, though. So when, you know, I'm talking about at least, you know, moderate level of burnout or above. So what happens is you sleep, start sleeping more hours, but you always wake up feeling tired. Um, You get to your job and when you you know, you've been there for two hours. You're already thinking about when are you going to go home or what are you going to do after that. It's Monday. You cannot even wait for the weekend. Um, <laughs> you start, you, know, you you develop different um, problems with your health. So those are really important to track, though. You wake up in the, you know, your, your sleep gets interrupted. So you start waking up in the middle of the night. You can develop anxiety. You can start getting symptoms of depression. Um, you you become very negative about, many things in your life. So when someone, you know, tries to say, oh, it's going to go well, it's just very hard for you to see why that would go well. And you're like, oh, but this is not going to work. So you become like a little more, you know, pessimistic. Um, something that is also easy to track at a personal level is irritability. So if you are suddenly snapping at people more often, or you are, um, you know, overreacting to things that are pretty small, that, that's just a really, a clear sign of burnout that actually happens to more people than what you could think of you know um and that's something that you could only track yourself though because you know yourself right um and from a physical perspective you could start developing um gastrointestinal problems so it, it it gets to a point where it impacts your physical health to a point where you can actually you know start feeling pain in your joints as well um pretty stiff, you know, neck and shoulders all the time. So I would say there are many different, you know, symptoms of burnout, but you don't have to be experiencing, experiencing them all. Um, but if you see like two or three, you know, it's important to track them. Um, we also have on our website, so um there's just a pop-up right there. And about a week ago or two weeks ago, we made our burnout assessment um available for everyone. So it's free. It's just 15 questions that helps you assess, you know, where you are at in that spectrum. And I I find it very helpful because it just brings awareness. And if you have early signs, it's super easy to revert that. So you start replenishing your energy, you know, pretty quickly. You you can take a vacation, practice on self-care. And most importantly, focus on prioritization so the main um you know unfortunately many workplaces you know have poor design and we are victims of that and then they can cause us to have high stress levels you know but we're not going to change that right we just have to learn how to manage ourselves within those environments um and prioritization is a big you know shift that helps many of our clients um Working with a coach, of course, I highly recommend it because it just reduces the path. You know, a few sessions make a, a big difference. But if if someone you know doesn't want to do it and wants to start just you know by making adjustments themselves, it's really important to understand at what level you are because then at the early stage, even just sleeping better, um, finding things that are positive, taking a small break, um, prioritizing better for for the week, just only with that it makes a big big difference yeah
0: and I think that's that's incredibly helpful and incredibly important as well for people to to understand and and recognize those signs and then also start to take care of themselves to figure that out because yeah like like you said before it is it's kind of it's a long-term game here it's not about the, the short term you want to be good for a long long solid career and where can people go to learn more about what you're doing connect with you
1: yeah, of course. So, I mean, I am, you know, very easy to contact. Um, our website is journeyfy.co, And we have different ways of connecting with us through the website. Um, we have a form. Our email is contact at My personal email is lamia, so L-A-M-I-A at journeyfy.co. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Facebook, everywhere. So, you know, I have a pretty unusual name here. So, <laughs> Lamia Journey Find, you'll find me anywhere.
0: <laughs> awesome. And I will be sure to link up everything in the show notes just go grind.com slash podcast. So, everyone, you can find the links to everything mentioned in this episode and also all the things that Lamia has mentioned as well. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I thought this was very useful and I'm happy you could come on.
1: Thank you so much, though. I think you're doing a really important job of helping more entrepreneurs hear the story of everyone else that's going through a similar journey. And like I said, you know, sometimes I talk to, to many entrepreneurs, but if someone doesn't have the time to be doing that in person, they can also listen to, to your podcast for that. So thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen.